According to the Congressional Research Service, global research and development expenditures were 2.4 trillion US dollars in 2020. Since 2000, total global R&D expenditures have more than tripled. Clearly, spending on research is serious business, so why would anyone want to make fun of it? Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. R&D plays a central role in promoting economic growth and job creation, as well as advancing knowledge in such critical areas as energy, agriculture, public health, and environmental protection. Public appreciation of research's value, though, has been strained in the COVID pandemic, as well as from the onslaught of online misinformation and disinformation. An antidote to cynicism and suspicions may be humor, suggests Chalani Ranwala, a research communication specialist based in Colombo, Sri Lanka. In a recent contribution to the London School of Economics Impact blog, Ranwala proposes that repackaging information into humorous content creates an informal access point to audiences, one that the public will find more inviting than traditional forms such as white papers and journal articles. Chalani Ranwala joins me now to share how laughter can open minds. Welcome to Velocity of Content. Hi, Chris. Good to be here. Well, thank you for joining me. Chalani Ranwala, humor has long played an important role in critiquing society. What effect do comic devices have on how we receive and process information? Well, Chris, you know, I grew up watching a lot of stand-up comedy and a lot of talk show hosts in their, in their talk show monologues. And I always knew that satire and humor, it goes a lot beyond just for entertainment purposes. Um, And I really wanted to, because my background is in research communications, and I wanted to see whether there was some kind of way to bring those two worlds together. And I started reading up and doing digging a little deeper into what it is about humor that makes it such an effective medium. And what I found is that satire relies on the ability of the audience to recognize the irony um, in what they hear in the in the humor. And I think it's that irony that really makes humor in an effective medium. Um, what I also found out was that humor also sort of, it reduces our counter arguments against information that's received in an entertaining format. So simply put, it's almost as if when a friend of ours sort of makes a sarcastic comment in order to get a point across, we tend to absorb it differently or even remember it more um, as opposed to if it was told to us in a regular or a serious tone. Um, so there is a lot of potential there in the way satire and humor functions itself that makes it a really good medium to communicate research and really other complex topics as well. Chilani and Waller, it seems that humor then breaks down our resistance to new ideas and it makes that an ideal vehicle to transform knowledge. It does, Chris. I really looked into this and, and what academics have said about humor. And there's a lot of studies, a lot of research being done on comedians, particularly comedians who talk about issues like racism and feminism and um, sort of, you know, social issues faced in different countries. And these are very serious topics, right? But what is it about humor that makes it okay to make uh, make jokes about it, and what make what is it about humor that makes us want to understand these issues in a different way? I found three things really about um, comedy and satire that makes it quite effective as a medium to talk about serious stuff. 
One is that satire uses pre-existing narratives. Um, so satire is a form of reverse discourse, Chris. And what this means is that um, reverse discourse occurs when you kind of uh, use the terminology of a pre-existing narrative in society and you develop an opposing interpretation. Um, so that's what a lot of stand-up comedians, a lot of talk show hosts who talk about politics and policy, what they do is they pick up something that's already been debated uh, in the public eye and they kind of hold a mirror against it in order to sort of um, create an opposing interpretation, if you will. Secondly, satire also problematizes the norm. It makes us see things in a different way. It invites us to look at things in a different way. Um, and this is not always obvious to the audience. It's very subtle. Just earlier today, I was listening to a South African comedian talk about his experience with racism. And um, it was a lot of humor. He was sort of engaging his audience, but really he was talking about an issue, a very personal issue that was very serious. But there is something about the way these the information is conveyed that makes you look at it differently. So it's almost that aha moment, you know, when you hear a joke and you, you, you laugh, but then you're also like, wait a minute, why is it funny though? What's really going on here? And finally, and this is where I feel like it's most relevant to working with research, is that satire um, creates a very comfortable, accessible, friendly uh, access point to an audience. Um, so I've worked in research communications for many years. And as you know, Chris, it's not always an interesting topic, uh, depending on what you're researching. It's not always the most exciting content to put out there, especially to a general audience. It can be quite heavy with jargon. It can be quite uh, technical, but uh, humor is friendlier voice. Um, and it's not as intimidating as, let's say, a research brief or, or a policy uh, related report. Um, so what I find is that it kind of gives researchers an access point to reach an audience at a level in which they are more comfortable and also more willing to engage. And Sri Lanka, where you live, Talani Manwala, is suffering a long-term economic crisis with Sri Lankans facing acute shortages of food, fuel, and medicine. And this summer, the fiscal emergency in the country metastasized into a political crisis that brought down the government. A Colombo-based think tank turned to local comedians Block and Dino as knowledge partners to create a video explaining how the country came to such dire straits. So how did they approach telling this complex story and, and how was it received by the public? So, Chris, this was a very interesting project. It was also quite experimental. Um, so Verita Research is an independent think tank in Colombo that does a lot of research in different areas, but particularly in economic research and analysis. And it was doing a lot of work around the crisis, around debt restructuring in particular, and trying to break down to the general public what was really going on. Locke and Dino are very um, popular and successful comedians in Colombo. They have uh, a very successful YouTube channel in which they do comedy skits primarily for commercial advertising. So they work with brands to sort of market their products and services. 
Um, so we wanted to bring the two parties together. And, and the idea was that to use the same model where you create a sort of a, a satirical video or a skit, but you plug in research, you plug in information, real data and analysis into the experience. So what came out of it was uh, a video which used a key analogy to explain what was happening in Sri Lanka. And the analogy was that Sri Lanka was a, a patient, a dying patient in a hospital. He was on his deathbed and you see the patient's family representing the Sri Lankan public sort of crying over and wondering what to do. And you get the doctors and the hospital staff that represent the economists and the politicians and the policymakers in the country. So um, it was a lot of, sort of, you know, a very brilliantly written script and it had a lot of sort of funny moments of sort of imitation and exaggeration um, of sort of familiar faces that led to the downturn of the economy. But where Verity Research or the think tank comes in is that at certain points in which the situation was being explained, um, there were sort of prompts with real data and analysis based on um, the economic situation, such as uh, about monetary policy, about sort of what debt restructuring was, um, why Sri Lanka sort of had a problem, uh, ran into such shortages in its foreign reserves and information like that. So it was almost sort of folded into the narrative. So it was very subtle. The video was just, you know, for ent- it was entertaining, but through watching it, people were actually informed as well. And the reaction was quite, uh, it was well received. The video went on to sort of uh, get more than a million views in a couple of weeks. And the reaction that I saw was that people were really grateful for the fact that they are able to understand what happened, why it happened, and the decisions that led to the economic downfall. Um, because concepts like debt restructuring was, you know, it was in the news every day, you hear about it, but, you know, it's it's not something that you really know about unless you're tuned into that information. Um, so explaining things that led to the problems, but also sort of explaining how Sri Lanka can come out of it, which in this case was negotiating with the International Monetary Fund, which is also featured in in the video as the patient being taken to the IMF hospital for treatment. Um, so that's how it was explained to the public, you know, what is uh, the IMF and why is it important and, and what can, what can uh, come out of it. Chalani Manuela, do you think researchers around the world should use more humor to communicate these complex kinds of messages? I would say, like, it depends on the political situation. It depends on the audience. If you take Sri Lanka, humor has a very special place in in sort of uh, how Sri Lankans not only look at issues, but how they process issues, you know. So it was almost humor is kind of used as a comfortable uh, defense mechanism or, you know, it, it's sort of a very accessible format for people, but it may not be so in every country, in every political situation. For example, sort of critiquing the government through comedy or critiquing the government's policy making through satire may not uh, always be welcome, not just by the government, but by the people themselves. So it's very important to know 
the audience that you're working with and the context in which you're working with. But if you are in an environment where it is possible to use humor, I feel like the first thing researchers should do is just look at their work, look at their messaging, look at their data, because sometimes, you know, you don't even have to create humorous content. The the facts and the truth are funny enough to expose, um, especially with things like contradictions in, in policymaking or certain expenditures that the government has made that hasn't been fruitful. There's always irony. There's always humor in the information that we already have. Um, so looking for opportunities to bring those out and to use humor to communicate the message to your public. I think looking for those opportunities is uh, where it can all begin. And how should researchers approach any collaborations with comedians and other content creators? Well, Chris, this is actually an area which I am working on currently uh, through a fellowship program that I'm doing with on think tanks. Um, And my project actually focuses on the different ways in which think tanks and or academic institutions can work with content creators, not just comedians, but it can be other types of content creators as well. And I think uh, the most important thing is recognizing the correct model to work with um, in a way that doesn't compromise the credibility of the research or academic institution, um, where it's sort of uh, sort of a collaborative partnership in which both parties are doing what they do best and sort of uh, coming up with the optimal outcome. Um, And having looked at these collaborations, there are a couple of things that I noticed as benefits. Um, One is obviously the scale. So research institutions and think tanks do have large audiences, but in most countries, I don't think you can even compare it to the level of scale of audience that a content creator might have. Um, on their YouTube channel or on their social media. So having access to that scale of audience is something that you may not be able to get by yourself. So by collaborating, you automatically have an access to an audience that you may not otherwise have had access to. The second thing is voice, which I already, I think, touched on a little bit earlier about sort of having that friendly, informal um, voice, uh, because a lot of the research, obviously, that we do exists in in um, reports and uh, it's communicated through events and, and documents, which may not always be digestible to a general public. Um, so being able to deliver a message in a different voice is what is another benefit of having such collaborations. And finally, I think it's to do with creative license, right? Comedians and content creators have creative license that allows them to do things that that a researcher can't do. And a researcher shouldn't be making a jokes, uh, making jokes about the government's policy making. So I think making use of creators who have the license to comment on situations, who have the license to make jokes, because that's what they do. Um, I think that's uh, another benefit of working with people who are in that space. And then as long as you kind of stay within your lanes and you have to find a, a workable model that allows you to stay in your lanes, you can maintain your credibility as a researcher while also you know, providing information or, or sort of empowering a third party to take your information and deliver it to their audience in the format that works best for them. Jelani Ranwala in Colombo, Sri Lanka, thank you so much for speaking with me. Thank you, Chris. Good to be here. That's all for now. 
Our producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. You can subscribe to the program wherever you go for podcasts, and please do follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. I'm Christopher Keneally. Thanks for joining me on Velocity of Content from CCC.